themselves the Bad Batch. Sessions back again, boy. My heart and blood are rent, boy. Chrome Wars ain't enough, boy. So you're asking when, boy? Recapping every week, boy. That batch is on your screen, boy. Made that Disney Plus debut. Made that background hot, It's the bad batch. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world or the galaxy. And welcome to Star Wars Sessions, the Bad Batch Recap. My name is Matt Hudson, a.k.a. Jabba the Hud. And joining me back again on the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy. It's Luke Bly, but we call him Master Blywalker. You okay, mate? Yeah, I'm good, matey. It's another Friday, which means Bad Batch Day. Dude, how good is it to have new Star Wars content every Friday? Oh mate, this is what this is what I wake up on a Friday for now. Otherwise, I'd still be in bed. I know it should be. Yeah, you'd be like crashing out on the bed, thinking, thinking, "Oh, if only I had a Star Wars animated show to keep me going in life." I need more wrecker. (laughs) I need sniper head. That's Um, it. Or maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. Big boy tech sniper head Rambo and the other one. Bro, it's so flipping. It's so good. So um, good. But honestly, man, so it's another episode of Bad Batch. Um, yep. And this one, once again, it's it's very much falling into the Star Wars animated kind of culture where, you know, it's not in a rush to tell a main story. You know, it's kind of just telling character development. Uh, so from from the top, I I really quite enjoyed this episode. Um, Matty boy, what what did you think of uh, episode three of Bad Batch? What did I? Firstly, spoilers if you haven't seen the episode, if you oh, haven't right, seen yeah. the description as well, spoilers, just <laughs> yeah. so you don't come at us. Uh, Luke liked it. Do you know what? I really, really like this one. Mm. I really thought this was really good. 32 minutes of, or 27 minutes of, um, mm. like you say, decent development. It's not like, well, say, saying that, I was going to say it's not like a lot happens. But in fact, really underneath the surface, a lot does happen, but... It's not uh, as explicit as maybe like the first episode where you've got Order 66. These kind of episodes are great for um, setting the scene, building relationships, um, setting up the future, bringing in new characters. Do you know what? I I really, really like this one, mate. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? This one gave me a lot of feels. Yeah. I think that's the the thing I'm going to take away from this episode. I felt a lot of things. And I'll be honest, I'm just going to skip to my last point. I just dropped down some notes um, here on my notepad. Uh, And the last thing I put is Dave Filoni is the OG. He is the (laughs) gangster. And I feel like, and we were kind of talking about this in um, this week's main show, right? Someone asked us, I think it was Java the Huds. Darth uh, Java. Darth Java's first Patreon question was... Do you think Dave Filoni is going to direct any live-action Star Wars soon? Just, just solely, or a, a, a film? Sorry, mm-hmm. yep. you know. And man, the more I'm seeing Bad Batch, the more I'm seeing of all of his live-action projects. I think he really gets this stuff. You're feeling that, aren't you? I'm feeling it, Matty boy. I mean, this episode—it's—it's it's not rocket science. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not overcomplicated, but it hits us in the feels. And I, I don't know if it's because he explicitly, Dave Filoni explicitly said on the Mandalorian roundtables, you know, Star Wars is about family. Um, but with Bad Batch, you, I, I just get that vibe all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. And I, I really, really do love that, Matty Boy. Um, lots of world building and politics too. It's you subtle though, right? It's subtle. It, that's what that's why we like it. It's we we knew we were going to find out what happened to the clones, and now little by little we're getting more about what's what the Empire is putting into place, and, and especially Tarkin. Tarkin's back in this episode mm. to initiate Project War Mantle. Now, keen ears would have heard that in Rogue One when Jyn Erso is going through the um, database for the Death Star plans. No way. Pax Omega, Stellar Sphere, uh, Stardust, War Mantle. And that's that's it, this is War Mantle. It's basically in an elite squad to phase out the clones, basically. And no, this way. is what we're getting, mate. Rampart, that naughty boy, is going to be taking command. But like you say, it's family. You've got uh, Omega is still assimilating with the Bad Batch, and we'll mention that. But there's some lovely, lovely moments there. But Crosshair is kind of trying to be pushed into this new family, this mm-hmm. burgeoning empire, mm-hmm. as they call it. He's, but then we find out later on that, you know, he's, he's, he's not fully indoctrinated. You can tell he's not. Yeah. And so he's, he's got this new family. Does he want his old family back? It's like the Fast and Furious. It's family everywhere. <laughs> Everything goes back to the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Dom Toretto's the emperor. Yeah. Star Wars episode 12. Um, listen, mate, no, you're spot on there. And I think that's a great observation. And I'm always happy to kick it off with a bit of crosshair slash, uh, you know, it's true name sniper head. Um, you know, because even like you said, it's kind of like a fabricated family. It's kind of been forced. Whereas the clones are, or the bad batch, it's a lot more kind of organic although it's not because they're clones but you kind of get the you, you, yeah, the you brothers, get they? it right they're the, yeah they're brothers whereas the other one is a lot more forced yeah. and i tell you what omega in this is really good and she's mm-hmm. not getting on my nerves at all and I, I i've said this in other recaps i've said this on the main show i think with omega and, and child characters in general there is a risk of you know them being a bit annoying the kids being a bit annoying <laughs> not necessarily well written but i think she's well written and i think yep. she's actually quite realistic yeah she's yeah she's not out of place she's just not out of place and i think she's extremely lovable um so i mean we want to talk about sniperhead because sniperhead in this was like at moments um, he was evil yeah right man. like i I I gasped at the scene against the civilians, right? Because they killed all the soldiers. On Onderon. Yeah. And I was like, are you joking? I, I thought, nah, this isn't going to go down. This isn't going to happen. Because again, you know, this is a kid show. But I don't know. I, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. It's like that thing I always love to bring up. It's old Jim Henson. He always used to say, it's good yeah. for kids to feel scared. It's good to- for kids to understand what's evil and what's good. And Star that's really, you know, rooted in Star Wars anyway, right? So um, <laughs> I think that was very well handled, very well handled. 
No, you're right. It, um, it harkens back to discussions we've had on the roundtable before we before the season started, right. where we kind of posed the question: Is what's the tone going to be? Are they going to have that Clone Wars tone where they had at, at its best? They had that nice mix of uh, being for everyone, or sometimes it would veer towards the younger audiences, sometimes it would veer towards more adult audiences. And the, in this episode, I think it's kind of answered that question. If it carries on in this vein, is we're going to get a bit of both. In this episode, we had the lovely moments with Omega and the Bad Batch, but on the other side, uh, you had the you had the plot with Crosshair killing people in cold blood, like his um the uh, the elite squad uh, soldier who was you know m- mocking him basically, like, enjoy being commander for mm-hmm. now, shoots him because and that, that's when I thought, okay, I know what's going to happen here. You know, these the elite squad aren't going to take this; they're going to get on the ship, and Crosshair's going to you know go back and report it. I know Crosshair just pull, pulls out a gun and shoots him at point blank range, and then orders, yeah, good, so good soldiers follow orders. Yeah, F- orders his soldiers to shoot the civilians. I was like, oh damn, okay, they're right. going now. I didn't think right. they were going to go there, but they did. But I like you. I, <laughs> I don't like civilians being killed in cold blood. But in terms of the story and what it does for the bad batch for Crosshair's character, but also for the series, it shows that okay, it's going to show these nastier sides of or clone humanity and what happens in war and the aftermath. We're going to go there a little bit. And I, I, I quite like that they did that. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. And I liked, I, I thought this character, the guy who got shot, I, his name escapes me right now. No, I can't remember his name. No. And I don't think he, well, he's not sticking around, is he? So, um, <laughs> you know, there we go. Um, I really liked him. I really yeah. liked him because they're really fleshing out, you know what? What really is the 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 start of the stormtrooper setup? Yeah. Really, right? And man, I love that line. I wrote it down. I love that line. That's more than the Republic ever did to me. That's obviously I did for oh, yeah, me. Yeah. Um, he's obviously referring to him uh, signing up for the Empire as a squad member. He's got a place to sleep, stuff to eat, and you know it's all good, right? He's got a roof paid. over ahead. Yeah, he's getting paid. Um, more than the Republic ever did for me. Now, again, without trying to get too, I, I use this expression a lot, without trying to get too real world, world D, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that kind of echoes how a lot of Echo. people feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When, when they join a political regime or maybe military or, or whatever it is, a lot of people can feel like that. Um, but what is cool is that obviously this guy is signing up for, for the empire. He kind of believes in it, but at the end of the day, he's just getting paid. But when it came to doing something evil, he said, no, he said, no, no, yeah. no, this is too far. Right. They're just civilians. Let's just, we didn't sign up to be an execution squad. Yeah. And he's not, he's not a hero. He's not saying, no, let them go. He's saying, no, let's go put them in prison or something like that. That's right. right. He's yeah, not, yeah. he's not necessarily a good guy. But he has he has like a line that he didn't cross, and because of that line, because of that principle, you know, even if it was small, Sniperhead just blasted him in the head, like you, like you just said, and that's crazy, man. Because I, I thought, no, nah, this character's going to be in for a while, and he he might actually end up being the protagonist a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep, I don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> nah. The character w- Wikipedia reliably tells me he was a. Uh, he was squad trooper ES01. So it's good knowing you're ES01, but yeah, you've had these spot plays in the spotlight. And, yeah. Yeah, and we saw it at the beginning of The Force Awakens, obviously, when um, the uh, people in the village 
were massacred by Phasma and her uh, stormies. But that was a that was a twelve rated film. You know, it's a live action. Fine, obviously on Disney Plus, you don't usually expect that. But I'm I'm glad I'm glad they did it just because of the doors that opens, not because I want everything to be dark and gritty. You know me. I like things to have stakes, like Rogue One. Stakes. I don't like these things to be just like stakes. I don't like these oh, things to just be medium rare. miserable and naff all the time. But um, so I like that. And then later on in the episode with Sniperhead, he when he gets into the barracks, into the bunker, <laughs> and he, he looks at like how sterile and just empty everything is. It's it's minimalist. And then there's the Empire. Like, there's just like very uh, uncomfortable looking beds. Yeah, there's one box for you to lay your weapon on, and he's kind of you can see he's looking around, and he sits in his bunk, and he's. You could tell he's thinking. He's he's something's going on in his head, in and around that inhibitor chip, uh, which is causing him to kind of think: is is what I'm doing here right? What am I doing here right? And at the beginning of the episode, Omega finds um, Crosshair's weapons pack, and even the Bad Batch do the same. Even Hunter, they they're almost like reminiscing in their head, and um, uh, and Omega's the one who says, you know, it's not Crosshair's fault. He did what he did. It's the chip, and they're now starting to realise that. Maybe Sniperhead, maybe Crosshair, maybe he isn't a bad guy. Maybe it is this this thing in his head that's causing mm. this. So, so Crosshair's getting some. He's you know I'm, I now think like everyone else, he probably will be brought back to the bad batch towards the end of the series. But they're setting it up now, I think, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. They're setting up a lot, and I, I, I that's another thing that I dropped down was you know was he feeling guilty? Is he looking back at mm-hmm. his choices and thinking what am I doing? Like. It, when I'm in the moment, I I feel like this is the right thing to do. I'm following orders. Yep. But when he maybe he gets home, he's like, hang on, what, what on earth did I do? And, and, you know, I'm sure we're going to find out more about the chip and how that affects Sniperhead's personality because that's the vibe that I got. And actually, I was a bit surprised that yep. they put that moment in there because it did, it, to me, it just shouted regret. It shouted yep. like, what, what am I doing? Why am I here? What am I doing? So didn't feel again, subtle. again, Mayboy, this is all from an animated show. Yeah. <laughs> like, and we know some of the best moments in Star Wars have come from animation as well. Yes. We, we're fully, we're fully uh, appreciative of that, but I don't know when, when again, I don't mean to poop on it all the time, but when we've come from resistance, resistance just doesn't <laughs> feel like that. It just doesn't. Whereas here, it feels like we're getting into some deep lore and some real lessons that not only children can learn from, but everyone, everyone yeah, can learn yeah. from. Um, you know what, mate? You mentioned the Force Awakens opening uh, village scene. Yeah. Um, Love that parallel because, again, I, I really got that vibe too. But I got some serious like throwbacks to a few Star Wars films in this episode. Mm. Um it, I, I mean, for um, a lot of the time, for the opening scenes when they're crashed down on, is it um, Onderan, did you say? Uh, no, this was just was known it? as a, this was a desolate moon. The When right. Sniperhead kills all the civilians, that's on Onderan. Oh, right, yeah, that's up. it, that's it. This right. is just an unnamed yes. moon. I guess it's the Ordo moon, I guess. Yeah, yeah, right, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Um, right, so anyway, that really reminded me of the Minox and Empire Strikes Back. Good you know, it was, I was like, man, this is so similar. It's so, even with the little breather mask things, they weren't wearing oh. like helmets or anything like that. And you could um, see the breath as well, condensating as well, which I thought was incredible animation. Yes. 
The mate, the animation is so good, just so good. <laughs> even even like the bokeh, like the um, the focusing of the yeah. animation, it's like it's being filmed on a camera. It's yeah. it's quite impressive. It really is impressive. very good, especially when you think back to the first few seasons of Clone Wars. Like it's just come on leaps and bounds. And is it me? Or are the, you know, there was that new Imperial officer talking to Tom. Uh, Rampart. Rampart. He looked a wee bit more rebels, right? Like the mm-hmm. design of the animation looked a yeah. wee bit more rebels. I don't know if that was consciously done. I think they're kind of moving away from like the huge over-animated eyes kind of style. <laughs> <laughs> which, Thankfully. Which, which they rock, which they rocked anyway. But it's just funny how you can see the art style kind of changing as we're moving into a different era. So that's, yeah. that's quite cool. Um, but anyway, one more thing that I noticed, a parallel to another Star Wars film, was toward the end when Omega... And and the uh, creature um, were with each other in the cave. That really reminded me of Ray and the huge snake thing in the Rise of Skywalker, which yep. is one of my favourite scenes from that film. Um, I thought it was very cool, very cool, and it's lovely to see those little parallels into the Star Wars universe. You know, mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah. And it's nice to see Omega getting things to do because she grabs the blaster, but I knew she wasn't going to use that blaster. And it's, it's, yeah. it's true to what you say is that, you know, when they, when they bring younger animated actors or actual actors in, sometimes it can be a sticking point. I remember when Ezra Bridger, Ezra Bridger started and he was a bit like, a, he was a bit annoying as well to start with. And mm-hmm. Ezra's great. Same as Ahsoka, what people, people always say. So I think Baby Yoda's the only one who's got away with it, a little Grogu. Um, but I thought she was great the way she, um, she didn't, tame the dragon as such rather than just kind of outsmart it and i like that i like that as well mm. it wasn't it wasn't kind of like let's be friends and get on with our lives like well you eat this torch and i'm taking the charge and making a run for it so i like that and then obviously the moments with hunter afterwards and when she gets her own room from wrecker i thought oh that's i thought that was lovely because the start of the episode wrecker goes to was going to take her food which she offered him and then realizes oh i'm not used to having a kid around and then at the end, Wrecker's made her, her own room. It looks out over the stars, it lights up, and that little Tuka doll, Lula, was there. And I thought, oh, I'm getting the, I'm getting the feels here as I well. Know. I, thought, I know. Wrecker, don't make me cry, mate. Wrecker is such a good character in Bad Batch. Oh, no. <laughs> you I, never thought we'd I, say that. I didn't think, I thought there were, there were tropes to all these guys. I was like, oh, all a bit stereotypical, all a bit annoying in parts but i had favorites and that you know you can tolerate them here and there nah man these characters are are really enjoyable really yeah. really enjoyable and it was so sweet it was so sweet and it was a way to tie up the beginning of the episode with the end yeah. mm-hmm. and it's yeah. like oh that's so cool that's so cool and it was such a small moment and that's actually what um drove me to it's because it's a moment no one's talking no one's talking Omega just goes up there into her little room, her little cabin, and she's just looking around. She's yeah. taking it in. And it, those few shots are saying thousands and thousands of words. This is a little girl who who has never had a room. She's never had a proper home. You know, like it's like the old expression, you've got a house and then you've got a home, you know? Yeah. And wow, man, it 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 was such a small moment. And that's when I actually wrote right at the end, because it is at the end of this episode. Yes. I, I put down Dave Filoni is the OG because that just, th- those few moments, I was like, man, that's so Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. so Star Warsy and enjoyable and sweet. 
oh man family it was it was excellent honestly yeah. excellent very very good better than i thought it'd be yeah man and i'm, I'm here for all this because in the first episode they show a hyperspace for the first time the second episode she experiences dirt for the first time and like playing with kids and this episode her own room and i'm you know i'm here for this for this if they keep doing it. i don't think it's an overused trope because they're doing it really well like and like you said there's no dialogue it's just really nice music so they're not over to me they're not overselling the point what they are doing is they're, they're integrating her into the group and also showing that you know this is a kid taking her wider her first steps into the wider galaxy and it's and it's not it's not necessarily seeing the dragon which makes her understand the galaxy. It's little moments like these tender moments with the family being given like Rekka's favourite little Tuka doll. Now he loves that thing, but now he's given it to her. It's the little personal moments which I never thought going into this series we would get. I like 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 we said we've all said, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners may have been guilty of. Mm-hmm. Kind of thought this might be a bit more crash bang wallop, a bit more yep. fun, not fun, but a bit more just just action oriented, a bit more kind of like daft. Let's blow things up and have a good time with it, and we we would be here for True. that. But there's there's more to it than that. We like to say Project Warman tool has been introduced now. Elite soldiers being trained by clones. Now you've really impressed. You've really impressed me with that, mate. That connection to Rogue One, and that's why I love Rogue One, that's mate. why it's great to have a Matt Hudson in your life. <laughs> I love Rogue One, mate. You know, as soon as I heard it, I was like. War Mantle. I'm sure our girl Jean cycled wow. through that, and she did. Um, what else we got? Tarkin saying, you know, the clone trooper program is a cost prohibitive relic of the past, but until mm. the time is right, which is key, until the time's right, it will continue to serve a purpose. So Tarkin's already thinking, right, there's going to be a time when these guys aren't needed, and yeah, which, when that time comes, gone. Which in universe kind of makes sense, you know. You don't, yeah. you don't privatize your national army, do you? Really? Nope. And they, the exactly. only reason they did that was because it was kind of like their only option. It was a sneaky way of getting a republic army, and it was yeah. quick, it was efficient. But man, it cost a lot of money. Now mm. there's an empire in place. It makes sense to kind of like, you know, just get move phase that out and get a lot more of a cheaper and maybe in some ways more efficient means of uh patrolling the galaxy because that's that's the point here the 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 stormtroopers weren't designed to be uh soldiers like the clones because there's not a war on there's no war you know and the the rebel alliance only came to fruition years and years later yeah and they're they're a lot more of like a guerrilla group than full-on war right the clone wars was Bad guys versus good guys on a battlefield, in cities, on planes, everything. Um, so I really like these details, man. And the, these are my favorite details because that was always blurry. And that's something that I said coming into this series. That's something I'd like to see a lot more of. And once again, mate, they're doing a, they're doing a tremendous job with it. It's small things, small lines that Tarkin yeah. is saying. It's like, oh, this makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And how cool is it? to see these soldiers, um, these non-clones, in clone armor. Yeah. Yeah, because once again, with with cost-cutting and with budget changes, the armor would, would have changed. They would have yeah. gone for a cheaper, more uh, mass-produced armor. Um, love that. I, I, it's just interesting to see kind of like normal humans, quote-unquote, in in clone clone trooper armor, yeah, it's so cool, so it's cool, so good. Here's so then you good. go to 
<laughs> Topeka City Canteen on the Camino, and you've got clones in Stormtrooper armor as the parallel, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, mate, and let's not forget the Empire's cutting back on costs because uh, those Death Stars ain't cheap. They've got to they've got to funnel as much resources into those super weapons. So you know, let's have disposable. Uh, dispensable soldiers so we can make a Death Star to bring the galaxy in order. Yeah. Um, what else did I see? A couple of other things. Um, the Django Fett mention was cool. Uh, his genetic material is degrading. The Kaminoans are conducting new research, but they need a new source. So whether or not they find a new source for that genetic material to make new clones is yet to be seen, but they said, you know, our future depends on it. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's Grogu. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, you know, it's just interesting that they're already thinking ahead. Like, okay, Django Fett's DNA is, you know, kind of mouldy now. We need some more. And mm. it's whether or not they dive into that a bit. Well, I think they will. And I'm not, whether anything huge comes of it or not, I don't know. But I found that little line interesting. And we know what happens. We know what happens. And yeah. it, what what is not heartbreaking, but what's interesting is that, you know, we don't see Camino. After the prequel trilogy, we know what's going to happen. <laughs> we know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. They're going to get. They are going to get absolutely obliterated. And I hope we say. I'm not sure if we're going to see it in this series, like as in uh, not series season. I think we're going to see it in later seasons. Um, yeah. But I think it's very interesting, May Boy, because yeah, the Camino Kaminoans, sorry, are they're, they're looking at the situation. They're going hmm. Yeah, we're going to be made redundant. Yeah. We're going to be made redundant. Yeah, and then what? And then what? And not only that, we're, we're, we're almost going to be made. They, they can feel it. You can see in their facial expressions that they're worried and they're thinking, hang on, have we got a target on our back? Yep. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's this dude, like this old vampire-looking dude running around <laughs> <laughs> making, us, <laughs> making us all like, you know, I, yeah, it's... It's very interesting. It's very interesting. There's a lot here for Star Wars fans, Matt. Little moments, big moments, action, but, you know, big universe storytelling, world-building storytelling. Mate, I am here for the Bad Batch. Dude, I'm I'm, I'm in. I was in from episode one. I thought it was pretty good. Episode two, built upon that. Episode three, I'm in now. The hooks are in. I can't wait for next Friday to see what's going to happen now because we're now we're getting into it now. Yes, it's only episode four. We're only twenty five percent of the way through, but we're getting. We feels like we're moving now. The lad batch are. Uh, I've got me. I mean now those bunch of lads. Um, their relationship with Omega, Omega, whatever. Great Tarkin's turning the screw. Project War Mantles in sniper yep. head slash crosshair. He knows something's going up, uh, going down. The Kaminoans are trying to fight for their survival, mate. It's on. It, the game is afoot. It's on like Comic Con, which I miss <laughs> very <lot>. dearly as well. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought celebration I'd... though being moved. Uh, so well, yeah, that's a that's a funny one, isn't it? Um, yep. Yeah, that's not the bad batch. No, that's not about what we're talking about. <laughs> it's not celebrate. Bad batch. Let's celebrate right, the lad should we, batch. Should we? Um, did you say the lad batch? The lad batch, mate. Right, genius. That's it. Genius. The lad batch. Let's so change lads. the name. Let's That's the lad, the lad batch recap. Batch recap. <laughs> and Omega as well. She's what she said. She's I'm one of the squad now. So you're part of the ladette. lads now, Omega. She's a ladette. She's a ladette. You, She's a no. geezer. It's not exclusive. Listen, mate. Yeah, man. Scores. What are we thinking? What are we thinking? Right. First one I gave eight. Second one I gave seven. I was it, oh 
I'm going to give this one an eight as well because I wow. I, I don't want to go higher because I, I did prefer this one to the season premiere for the, exactly the reasons I said in that first episode because that was expositionary. We're going to get into the meat, and this is now the meat. But I'm going to give an 8 out of 10, mate. What about yourself? It's hard because we rate these just after watching them, you know? So you're always going to be on a high anyway. So keep that in mind, listeners. Um, But I think I'm going to go with a 7 again. I'm just with three episodes in, Matty Boy, and they're consistently very good. And it looks like, you know, we are heading to probably, in my opinion, the best uh, debut season of a Star Wars animated show ever. And that's cool, exciting. Cool. That is really, that is really exciting. exciting. Yeah. So, and once again, mate, boy, Dave Floney. OG. Yeah, Flo- Floney gets it. I think it's Nathan Villanueva who directed this and he did a lot of the final season of The Clone Wars. So he gets it as well. So, what a ledge. Yeah, we enjoyed this one, mate. Uh, let us know what you guys and girls thought of this episode. If you enjoyed it, did it disappoint you? Or are you as excited as we are as to what's going to happen? However, mm. We will be back again next week for another wonderful Bad Batch recap, and I literally can't wait now. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Let us know what you thought. But from me, until next time, see you. And from Luke, we'll be back. (laughs) May the force be with you. (laughs) Wrecker. (laughs) Wrecker.